What's up, listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Aiden. No goddamn no Peter. Peter once again. Peter, if you're listening to this, get the fuck over here, man. What the goddamn <laughs> hell are you doing? This is, I think, third week in a row maybe that he's not been here, but one he was here. Maybe last very, very week briefly. he was here and then gone. Yes, that was for uh, killers, yeah. But, but anyways, I bet you're wondering what this is. This is a podcast, shocker, where we discuss and review... The latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deeper discussion of the film. And then we shall ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week we will be reviewing Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, but before we do so, we have uh, some news. Uh, so the, I just heard this today, but uh, David Fincher is actively th- considering the social network too. Yeah. Well, okay, so I remember hearing, I've heard for a long time, I don't know where the source of this is, or if it's even legitimate information, but I remember hearing for a long time that he was willing to do this for, like, years, and was just, I think the the quote was, like, only if Aaron Sorkin returns to do the script, or, right. or, or like, what, it was something like that. Um, so, from what I understand, this is not, this is not out of nowhere. Okay. It's yeah. So I just I just checked the tweet again. It just says there's been talks, which okay. is my favorite vague. Yeah. Someone else was really vague this week too. It was Ryan Johnson who was like, "Yeah, I've been thinking about writing it, writing Knives Out three, and I think I've <laughs> think I've got a location maybe." <laughs> it's just like it's funny because okay, like yeah, I, gotta, like, it's just like I I assumed that you were thinking about Knives Out three. I think everyone thought there was gonna be yeah. a third one. So. That's not yeah. really information at all. It's just kind of like like an you know interviewer asks you a question, but you don't really have an answer. So yeah, um, uh, what what is the social network too? Is it them buying Instagram? The I feel like there's actually like a lot of things you could do. Like just the the way the way Zuckerberg is sp- spiraled, <laughs> like just just what's everything that's happened with Facebook since. Like, uh, I don't know, I mean, here in Canada, there's the whole news, the Bill C-40, no, C-47 is a film thing. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's like C-18 or whatever. I forgot the exact number, but there's the Facebook news kerfuffle here. I doubt it would be about mm. that. My point being that there's tons of things that have happened. I feel like, I I would actually wonder, like, what specifically are they going to focus on? Or maybe is yeah. it going to jump, jump a bunch of time periods? I, I remember he was, like, in front of Congress or something that one yeah. time a while ago. So, like, maybe that would be something. I don't know. I What I really liked about the social network was it was, like, an analysis of him. Yeah. And, like, how – and, like – well, social networks, really. Like, like how yeah. people are friends with each other. And, and I like kind of, like, the small scale of that. Yeah. I would – I, you know, a little bit of concern that, like, you might inevitably have to get into like the politics of what Facebook has become, and mm-hmm. that's a very different beast. Um, mm-hmm. I think with David Fincher, like I think he would be able to pull anything off, basically. So like, if yeah. he wants to do a, a politics Facebook movie, like I'll I'll be there. I'll be there opening weekend. You know, I from the impression I get from David Fincher movies though is that that's just not what even interests him necessarily. Yeah, and I think that like, and I I don't know. I feel like from things I've seen him say, I don't know how I'd feel about him doing that either. I don't know if I don't know if he's equipped for something super political. <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't I don't really know at the end of the day. But um, 
No, I, I, I agree that like, I like that about the social network that it's this very isolated, it's just about this guy who is like a loser and got dumped. And that's like, that's mm. portrayed as the whole point of the whole thing is just, he got dumped and that yes. made him feel bad. And that's like the entire, and he never wanted to feel like a loser. It's, and like, that's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a character study. It's a character yeah. study instead of like a study of society writ large. Yeah. Um, speaking of character studies, but Social Network we, is my favorite David Fincher movie. I will say it's so, so I good. Yeah. I would, yeah. I agree. It's very, very good. Uh, but speaking of uh, character studies, this isn't really a character study. But speaking of Not movies, really. we watched speaking all of movies. <laughs> yeah. Aiden, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, we watched a little movie called Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, it's from France. He's typing it into his computer right now. (laughs) (laughs) It is a French film. It came out this year. You already... uh, (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So in French, that's Anatomie d'une chute. Chute, yeah. Chute, yeah. Uh, Is not... Is tombe not the verb to fall? Or is it... I don't... I don't speak French. I don't know. Well, tombe is the verb to fall, but I'm not going to say that shoot is wrong. Right, I'm not saying the the French people are incorrect about their French. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, but anyway, it's directed by uh, Justine Trier. Uh, It's written by her as well. (laughs) Also, Arthur (laughs) Herrier. I'm gonna say uh-huh. every day. No, never mind. Never mind. And, and you have a long pause afterwards <laughs> where you like try not to laugh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stark. <laughs> star- starring Sandra Huller. Uh, She's German, actually. She so. is German, but it's a French movie, so everyone's name is. Okay, I'm gonna stop okay. doing this though. Uh, Swan Arlod, a uh, bunch of other people as well. Uh, cinematography is Simon uh, Bofi. I actually think that is probably how you say that. I was just doing the thing. Uh, it <laughs> premiered initially in France uh, on May 21st, and no, in Cannes, rather, in, in Cannes, sorry. And then it released uh, on the 23rd of August as in France's wide release. Just came here very recently. Uh, runtime is 152 minutes. Budget was 6.2 million euros, I believe, but then the box mm-hmm. office is in dollars, which is <laughs> 10.4 million. <laughs> so... The so I don't know. Are there dollars? <laughs> there was are there dollars? Yeah, um, you kind of breezed over this, but I mean, it was at Cannes. Did it do yeah. anything? Else oh, it did win the Palm Door. Yeah, kind it did win the Palm Door. <laughs> right, it did. Say that. The yeah, problem is, it doesn't a... just. The problem is, it doesn't explicitly say that on the yeah. Wikipedia box that I read. So yeah. I, if if it's not there, I don't know it. It doesn't have. It did happen. Yeah, it did happen. But yeah, yeah. It, it did win the Palm d'Or. Fun information background. Um, it was not selected by France to represent uh, France in the international uh, category at the Academy Awards. So oh, it really? will not win Best International Film because it was not. What in the motherfucking? What is that? <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for audio just... listeners, no. I, let's explain it. For audio <laughs> listeners, we record this on Discord, and every now and then, this like thumbs up emoji will just flash in front of Alex's like face. Like a thought bubble. A thought yeah, bubble. and we don't know what the we don't know where that's coming from. So if anyone is listening and knows what that is, please help because it's help really us. funny. Um, and this this has happened only once before. No, and I've only... seen it like two or three times. Two it's or three times. Very... Yeah, okay. I've I've only seen it one time, and it was 
I feel every single time it happens, Peter is not here. So yeah. we only yeah. have just the two of us <laughs> and like the one who really knows Discord. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so uh, it won the, the Palm Door, but because, and, the, and so this is the interesting thing. So a different film uh, called Pato O Foy, I believe, um, yeah. it has been chosen to represent France. And people are thinking the reason might be because uh, Justine, I forget what her last name is. Trier, um, or Trier, dire- I don't know how you say it. Trier, the, the, the director, um, is, uh, had some, like, said some things about President Macron uh, of France. Oh, right. And so they think it's a backlash thing. Like, he's he's kind of pissed off. And so... Um, Why is he, he involved in choosing the film? One of those, like... like the- well, it's a government thing, you know? Like right. Deciding just, he just, who, just the so influence just like, he re- yeah. uh, wields, sure. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, I, I don't really know the the ins and outs of French politics, but I've heard not great things about President Macron generally, As so not exactly surprising. Uh, it is a trier. Um, so, so I won't do that, but I think it can still be nominated for anything else. Like, remember, um, uh, what's that movie called? All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Not an American film, got best cinematography or something, and best sound design, and, maybe. And which um, was insane. It so got the best score, which was fucking awards. crazy. Yeah. That uh, best score is insane for that movie. So, yeah, yeah. Anatomy of a Fall could appear somewhere else in the in the competition. but yeah. uh, And then the other thing, more information, I looked up what shoot is, and it is Action uh, de Tombe. Action de Tombe is the French oh, definition. Okay. So it's it's how we use it. It's... Sure. It's a fall. It's the noun version. Right, I understand. Um, but uh, now we play. Uh, now that Aiden has given me some information on this film, we play yes. a game called Predacritic. Uh, this game, there is a website called Metacritic where scores of a movie are. They just exist there. They there. Yeah. Don't know how I got there, uh, <laughs> and we are gonna guess what the score of that this movie is. Uh, assuming it's on there, and I've spun the wheel, and I am going first. It would be actually kind of funny if we did this foreign film, and it's just like I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think I think it knows. It, it probably is there. Films. I don't uh, think we've ever had it. We've done some fairly niche films, and I don't think there's ever been one that no. straight up isn't there. So, oh, no. uh, so so yeah, I I did get landed on first, so I will guess first. Um, hmm. I'm gonna go with ninety. That's, ninety. That's how I feel. Yeah, it might be too high, but I don't know. Uh, I do feel like it's around there, but I think there's a chance of slightly lower. It's the problem with there's only two people. There's only two people. I will go eighty-nine. Okay, let's find out. We'll see. Okay, I probably shot too high, so it is in fact an eighty-seven. Okay. So I'm not surprised. Uh, so that's a, a must-see label. The, the website likes see. it. The website we don't know like how it. that score got there. So <laughs> the website. Uh, anyways, so seeing as you guessed correctly, Aiden, you do get to deliver your non-spoiler reaction. Uh, premier. Ah, nice. First. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a very good movie. This is a very good movie. Alex and I saw this one together. So the old the old osmosis of of the yeah. past might occur once again. Um, this is a very well movie, very well made movie. I think the directing very is well very superb. It is a well movie. It is ha- has well cinematography. It has well acting. 
Um, I yeah, I I very much enjoy this movie. The slight critiques I can offer is that I think there are certain moments where it's perhaps a little bit too precious about its moments, and I can talk about that a bit more. And then I also do think that sometimes the writing is like, okay, I do understand the point you're making. I don't necessarily need a full scene where you're. It's a little explicit sometimes, and I think sometimes it loses. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't think it, it never loses the sense of character and emotional grounding, but sometimes that it like just distracts from it a little bit, and because it gets very it's it's very concerned with its more intellectual or heady ideas. I think, uh, and I think like those those are my only real criticisms though. I think other than that, this was a superb, very very well made movie. Um, definitely one of my favorites of the year. Uh, very interesting exploration of themes and subjectivity and facts and, and how that intersects with our biases. Uh, I would give this a four and a half and recommend it to people. Yeah, so I think this is an amazing movie. Um, this might be my favorite movie of the year so far. Currently on my ranking, I have Oppenheimer first. I don't know if... Mm. That's even still true for me, but um, I mean, Anatomy of a Fall might take number one, anyways. Um, this was the kind of movie that, like, I noticed while I was watching, like, my eyes were like glued to the screen, mm-hmm. and like I had my complete undivided attention. Um, and also one that, like, once it was over, I didn't want to like get up. I think we sat through the entire yeah. credits because we were just like. So, I don't know, stunned or, like, yeah. just, like, not wanting to, like, end the experience of such a great movie. Yeah. Um, I I liked how, like, deep and thoughtful it was. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe it gets a little bit uh, too wrapped up in its ideas, but um, I, I like that it had ideas and, and it, yeah. uh, they were kind of, like, for the most part, clear and represented um, with, like, a little bit of subtlety like a lot of it was in i don't think it's it's super no, I, like i think this movie has a lot of subtlety i i agree i think there's a lot of new nuance to this movie i just think there are times where it it just okay. gets a, a little consumed with itself yeah that's fair um and what else could i say uh superb acting superb um not just well superb directing <laughs> and cinematography yeah. um yeah, I, oh, the the thing I kept telling, like, saying to myself in my head while I was watching it, I was just, like, like, remar- like remarking that, like, this is just such a rich text that mm-hmm. you can, like, go back and watch this movie and, and pick out, like, new elements yeah. to it, which is just kind of, like, that's just, like, my favorite thing with movies is when there it's, like, a puzzle and there's, like, you're just trying to, like, figure it out and, and all the different, like, clues and pieces to it. Yeah. Um, it's also like like sometimes it's a little funny. I'm not sure if it was intended yeah. to be funny, but we were laughing. We uh, there were parts that made me scared, parts that made me yeah. like sad. So like it it did everything, and yeah, I just I really liked it. So um, I I could give it a um, a modest four and a half. I don't know that could shoot up to a five, but I kind of want to watch it again mm. to like get my like full thoughts on it, but. I, I really, really like this, and so yeah, I, I would 100% recommend people go check this one out. Uh, but because I did lose, uh, it does mean I have to uh, summarize this one. Um, by the way, it was two and a half hours, 
and yeah. that went by like nothing. I was... that oh that went by so quickly, and I I yeah. I had a thing where I mistake I mistook what movie we were watching like right before I right. went to go see it, and I thought that it was um zone of interest and so i yeah. looked up the zone of interest running time which is like an hour 45 or something and so i went into this movie still thinking still with that in mind and i walked out of it being like yeah that was probably about an hour 45 and then That's i was crazy. like oh no no it is it wasn't yeah similar thing happened to me with um banshees last year mm. there i had the wrong runtime in my head i was like this is taking forever <laughs> um, but funny thing about zone of interest also Starring Sandra Hewler. Mm. She was in some of the two most acclaimed films from Europe. That's probably That's why I confused wild. it so hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, before I do summarize this, I do need a spoiler warning for those who have not pew, seen pew, this. Pew, pew, wee, woo, wee, woo. Thank That's you, a spoiler warning for new listeners. Whew, I am going to try my best to summarize this movie in French. I feel like you can, yeah, in, completely in French, yes. No. They, there's a lot of English in this movie. There's a lot a of English movie. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, I was, you know, I was saying to other people, like, quite um, uh, accessible for yeah. Canadian-American audiences. Uh, anyways, uh, I've got my timer in front of me, and I will start um, shortly. I'll start now. Uh, so, there's a couple who live in France... And it's um, and they have a, a young son who's, I I think, like legally blind, but maybe not fully yeah. blind. Um, and he, she's getting interviewed by a reporter. They're both um, writers. Uh, uh, she's a writer and a professor, and maybe he's also that. But he doesn't write a lot because he's been focused on the kid. And um, he starts blasting. <laughs> an instrumental version of 50 cents PIMP uh, to piss her off and to make the interviewer go away. Kid goes on a walk. He comes back. The, da- the dad is dead. And the question is, um, was he killed by the wife or was it a suicide? And this, the rest of the movie is essentially a court case where they're trying to figure that out. Um, and uh, she's kind of like interested in her lawyer um, the, there's a prosecutor there's who is very yeah. kind of mean, kind yeah. of aggressive, kind of aggro. Um, there's a eventually person, the son. This, yeah, there's a person where who who has to like look after the son to make sure he's not being win- witness tampered by the mom. The son wants her to go away um, for a weekend so that he can poison the dog to see if that's possible. The wife slowly reveals stuff like they had a fight the day before that he recorded, the husband recorded. Um, she reveals that he might have tried to take too much aspirin to um, kill himself. And uh, it cl- I, I think it becomes a little more clear that the suicide angle is likely. It's likelier than uh, maybe initially believed. Um, the son eventually decides that uh, this is the case. And so he gives his thoughts on it and then she's acquitted and everything's happy that's a hard movie to summarize it's so much it's because it's like it never the plot moves very well but it also like there are no big like actions to grab onto it's like okay they were in court and they debated it and then they were in court some more they debated it more yeah this guy showed up he had a model 
Yeah. And then another person with a different model showed up, and they disagreed on some things. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot of that. But it's good. It's good. It's just hard it is to good. yeah describe. Uh, first part. First question. Favorite part. Favorite part. Um, I didn't even think about this. Uh, there, I can I can give you one right off the dome. Uh, there are this one's hard to choose because I think overall I just really love. One of the, I, the moment I'm choosing here is I'm choosing it because I think it's emblematic of uh, the visual direction that I think is really strong in this movie. Um, so this movie spends a lot of time uh, in kind of these somewhat voyeuristic shots, particularly in conversation. Yeah. Like it's it's you're kind of distanced from them. We're often not in the conversation. Like it's we're not like really in the axis there. And when we are, it's very dirty and it's like a long lens. Um, but then there are certain times where the movie establishes a visual style and then switches it up for very particular moments, and you can tell it's very intentional. So there's a moment when, this is when we're listening to the recording that she didn't know the husband had made about the fight, and it's like, it's kind of like a low point in the argument that they're having, because we, we see it, we see like a version of what happened in with of the argument. We don't just hear it playing in court. Um, and there's a moment where, she comes over to him and she's like, I love you. And it's like a very quiet, like, uh, like tender moment. And I love that it cuts away from their faces. And it's just this very kind of ethereal insert of like their hands. And it's a very, very close long lens thing. And I think given what this inf- movie is saying or what I think it's saying about uh, information and how we how we experience the world, how we understand things. I think the fact that we are cut off from their faces there, that that is, it almost is the idea that that pit, pit of information, that moment in the argument is ignored in the broader scheme of what's being played in the court. That is, even though it's very important, it's actually a very, very important moment. It gives mm-hmm. a lot of information. It's It's almost not, we're not privy to it in the same way because that's, in this context, not the type of information that's getting privileged. Uh, but then I also just think it's a very, it, it gives this very quiet, intimate feeling to a very quiet, intimate moment. And it emphasizes it really well. So that's why I think it's an example of really good multi-layered visual directing. Yeah, no. And I think that really gets at the heart of what the movie's trying to discuss is like what evidence is like allowed. Um, it's like the, the, proof of burden or the burden of proof burden like of what proof. what type of evidence is um there's a word for it but i can't remember what it is um you know like how some evidence just like is obtained or like is ignored because it's not proper evidence like it's not mm-hmm. written it's not a recording or whatever so like yeah. a lot of the evidence they do have is is kind of like mm, i don't know if it's circumstantial but like like it they have to bring paints- it's they have to bring experts thin, in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they have to like bring people. Yeah. It's a very thin, like, picture of what um, the whole truth is. And it's it kind of, they discount a whole world of information that the things that are unspoken, unrecorded, mm-hmm. that all those things that would um, co- corroborate what she is saying just aren't, like, even considered because they're not yeah. these hard facts. Because um, we tend to we tend to bestow a certain amount of authority on documentation, but the reality yeah. is like we don't we live most of our lives undocumented, and I think that the movie's making a good point about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
for my favorite part, um, I'll just have one for like a, another thing of like visual direction. Uh, there's a there's a a part where uh, the I don't think it's even the first day of court, but like it's a scene where we're kind of like taking notice of who's in the audience portion mm -hmm. of it. I don't know what you call that section, but like the people who are just watching, they're not in the yeah. jury, they're just watching. And it scans the crowd and it's like, a, like a lot of women are there. Mm -hmm. You see like all the women who are in the crowd and there's one man there and he's, uh, he's a black man and the rest of the crowd are women and I think mostly white women. And then there's a point where the prosecutor is giving his giving a speech or something talking about whatever and as he's delivering this kind of like damning thing against um the main character whose name is sandra um he looks at the audience and he looks directly at the only man in the audience and they mm. kind of like nod at each other he's like he's like yeah and the other the guy like nods at him. he's like yeah and it's so like that's another thing of like this visual direction that says it all it's um this this like he's he's ignoring all of the women in the room and is kind of like this secret world of men um and kind of like they're the ones who like who get it right and so he's like you get it right the the only yeah. guy in the audience um and yeah so so yeah that's that's a scene that i really liked um or a moment that I was like, oh, that's a really clever, like, subtle, very subtle thing that, again, speaks to, like, the whole point of the movie. And, and I feel like the movie's just full of those kind of moments. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, what I like about that moment and broadly about uh, uh, some of the points that this movie is making, I think particularly in regards to, uh, like what we were talking about, privileging of information and how that intersects with societal biases, such as sexism that exist. So like any time a piece of information is delivered, any time a story is told and a narrative is spun, it like automatically grafts itself and attaches itself to pre-existing biases. And the pre-existing biases we have influence the way we receive it. And there are other examples of that as well, but I don't remember I don't remember exactly what I was thinking like but it is this idea of like he is very much leaning on sexist narratives that yeah. he knows exists and he's doing it very intentionally despite displaying it with an air of objectivity and it conceals his biases because he within the context of the court and as a prosecutor is and relying on documented whatever and splatter analysis and whatever is presenting it as if that's not a part of it at all when it very clearly is and everyone kind of understands that it is but no one in this context can say it because it's not an observable fact it's systemic and it's really yeah. hard to like address things like that no absolutely yeah <clears throat> i'll say one that maybe <clears throat> is what you're talking about an example is when they start talking about the affairs she's had Mm. Um, and so there's this yeah. preconceived notion about like relationship dynamics and in addition to in kind of very much related to gender dynamics and when when they say you know they bring this up as part of like why they're trying to basically accuse that she killed him mm. and so they start bringing up her affairs the fact that she was sleep seeing other people and 
she says quite clearly, like, a lot of them were, like, known to him. He knew. He was aware. And they were, I think she's, they weren't flings. What She said a different word, maybe. Or maybe it was flings. I don't know. But um, it was just kind of, like, like small things. And they they kind of, like, completely disregard that fact. The, the, mm. the idea that maybe it was consensual in some way. Um, and, you know, then later there was an affair that um, he wasn't aware of. And this idea that, like, that these kind of things have to be, I don't know. Like, there's two, it kind of brings, like, two questions to mind. Like, how is this relevant, I guess, to the case mm. that's, like, it's 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 trying to, like, kind of, like, tearing down her, her character um, based on these... Um, ideas society is imposing on her um so so like in a in a murder trial which this isn't i don't know if that really is but she's being like um not like charged or i don't know um so how is that relevant and the second question is like what what is like cheating or you know adultery even mean in like why it, it it's so crazy like like it kind of brings to these questions to mind like what does that even mean what is yeah. cheating even and it kind of almost like it made me wonder like is that just like something imposed by men to have control it's another device sure. of control that um you know of, of ownership of of women and so that those kind of questions were coming to my mind um and it's it's a very like again even if, even like thinking in like more broadly, I guess, um, that is not how all relationships work these days. Like it's a very narrow-minded view. You know, we have polyamory uh, now and, and open relationships. There are other ways that people live their lives these days. And so um, it's kind of discounting those ideas and uh, yeah, I don't know. That so that was one thing that I thought maybe had to do yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah, I'm the I thought of the moment I was thinking of too. It's a moment where the prosecutor specifically uses the word castrated uh in describing yeah. how the men felt and like that's a very specific word choice. That's very intentional. Um but I was also I want to talk about the cheating thing as well because I think something that I think this movie does which is very interesting is that for me at least, I think you are very clearly on the side of Sandra, the main character, for at least the first half of the movie. You're like, yeah, like, clearly she's being mistreated. Clearly they are presenting a very narrow view of what's happening. Clearly they're ignoring a lot. And then I I actually think that it's intentionally getting you to question her. And I think Mm -hmm. I have a point that I think it's testing the audience based on what are they going to project onto what we're seeing here. So we are missing like the prosecutor, like the court, we are missing so much of the context of what this relationship is. And so based off what we're seeing, we are making assumptions based off our own experiences and our own biases. And so I think what's really interesting is that like from from my perspective, it does seem like like cheating is a breach of contract, right? It's a breach of, mm-hmm. they clearly, their argument has this air of, neither of them thinks they've done anything wrong because they're both standing by their own definitions of what is wrong. 
and they've both yes. decided things. They've both presented things in the same way. They've chosen to believe things a certain way. And so, like, I think that's talking about the, the malleability of fact here and how fact is not something that's set in stone. And to loop it, I, that's a bit of a tangent. To loop it back to what I was originally getting to is, like, are you going to see that it does seem like she probably did cheat on him. It seems like he didn't want that to happen, right? And if that is, you know, like, in a relationship, if both parties are not okay with, like, yeah. being with other people, that is cheating. But, like, um, what I think is really interesting is I think it's it's big, it's testing the audience about are you going to then immediately turn on her? Like, are you going to start using maybe... Yes things that have hurt you, things that, you know, your own experiences and, again, like, prejudices that exist that have been incepted into you. Are, is that going to sway you and is that going to change how you feel about this? And it's calling into yeah. question, how do, you, how do you know these things? Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, another thing that, um, that they use against her is, like, these patriarchal ideas of what women are allowed to be. And I think that's a big part of it is, like, the fact that she's cheating or that she had cheated is like that's a that's a marker that says something about you and it has certain connotations mm -hmm. and it's it's slowly chipping away at her character um even though these things kind of like again don't have are not the same kind of like objectively evil things like killing someone right. and so she she did that another thing that i think that they that I, in my understanding, they are using it as like to, uh, something to like attack her character. Is they they mention that she is bisexual, and yeah. I feel like they only bring that up to demonize her as like they um, they bring it up like, as if to suggest that she's some kind of like floozy who's yes, meeting exactly. every young girl and young college student and yeah. Which is why I think the cheating thing is brought up too. So yeah. she's she's bisexual, which means you know in the the eyes of the court she could be sleeping with everyone you know boys and girls and there is kind of a connotation of like people who are bisexual because there is they're not limited to one gender that they are more sexually active um and then they use that against her again for the uh the interviewer from the beginning of the film when she has to appear in court because she yeah. has recording um and they say they kind of put these pieces together and they say were you flirting with this woman and she says no and i guess it's a it's the film smartly puts you kind of like in the deciding seat and like yeah. what did you think i don't know like it's it's yeah. kind of like up to your own interpretation um the interviewer i think also denies both sandra and the interviewer deny that it was flirtatious but because they've built up this kind of um these like attacks on her reputation and um what they deem kind of like demonizing characteristics um they're using this against her again for a murder trial something that is completely different yeah yeah and i think touching on what you're what you're talking about as well about like you like a lot of our like this i think this movie is deconstructing how we believe in things and why we believe in things and i think it it kind of it says this like explicitly later when the boy is talking to the court-appointed person who is watching after him. I forget what the title is. But um, 
and she he has to basically decide because he's been he's been through this whole trial and it's dragged on he has to decide does he think his mom killed his dad or not Mm -hmm. and she tells him like you ultimately just have to choose what to believe like there is an active there is it is just faith at a certain point like and i like that idea that is uh, that's a really interesting idea that it is just even in this very sort of secular and seemingly objective realm where we're talking about facts and we're talking about splatter analysis and what have you and all these models that are have this air of scientific objectivity there is still a certain matter of just faith in what you what feels right and what things happen and there's some sort of there's a like a naturalization process of those beliefs that occurs in our minds where they get to a point where they feel natural and they feel objective and like they've always they've always been true yeah and i think that's a really great beat of this story is as it's like a convergence of the two themes so it's like you said this this whole notion of well we've only got these kind of like a few cold hard facts um evidence of like the splatter analysis like you said there's blood splatter on the shed um they have um uh, the recording of the interview, they yeah. have the recording uh, from the fight before, and they're just trying to construct a narrative off of these things that do not strongly indicate one way or another what happened. Um, and so, like you said, he has to choose. And I want to talk more about that later, but uh, just kind of keeping it a little bit with the point we started with, um, it's the, the reason I, I called it a convergence point of the themes is that it's ultimately this movie is men deciding what they think this woman well, did. Well, to be clear though, and the judge is a woman, and I don't think that subtracts yeah. from a point about overall sexism, but yeah. I it, it, I think, because it is still, that's still the world they're in. But I, yeah. Yeah, but also the the judge is not the person who decides. It is, right. um, this is a, a trial with a jury. Um, yeah. but, but the jury uh, also... Also, many women. Not all, <laughs> yeah. not all men. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what, I, what I just mean by this is that what I like so much is that, like, a lot, like, like kind of like the whole thing, because because both sides have come up with equal, equally viable, I don't know if they're exactly equal. I believed one more than the other, certainly. But, you know, there's there's a case for why she might have done it or why she might have not have. And they're, they're like, you know, they both can account for the splatter analysis in different ways. Um, I think so much of the ultimate decision relies on what the son thinks. And I think that's quite smart of the movie is like, and also like from uh, how they decide to frame everything, the film departs Sandra's perspective for a while. And we stick with the son for like 10 minutes or something. It's, it's quite interesting. Um, It was almost like, like the psycho kind of thing, but uh, the bubble is free. The, bubbles, the thumbs up bubble is bad. Do you think? Do you think Discord is like agreeing? With you? Do you think it's like it's Craig? Yes, yes, yes. What you're saying is right. It's Craig being like, "Yep, yeah." Um, so this is crazy. Um, so so it, it departs her now, her her perspective, uh, and like I said, it it comes down to the to the boy who is uh ten or something. And it's like kind of like his decision. I like that in this scene, he's wearing red, which I've kind of decided is like the color of the patriarchy. It's the it's what the prosecutor prosecutor is wearing. It's what the judge is wearing. So either pro, like 
it could just be the idea of like law of justice is mm. the color of red but it kind of has that masculine that violent undertone there's like red has like the connotations of anger in our culture mm. um and so so yeah so i like that it it, it ultimately c- comes down to him and there's a great shot when she eventually comes home and and she hugs him and and the way that is framed is from his perspective again it is like she's out of focus he is in focus and he is like he is petting her and his his head is kind of on top and he kisses her forehead and it's kind of like all is all is for all is amended because the men and including this young boy have like deemed it so and he forgives her and that's kind of what ends this whole thing is is his forgiveness uh, it feels it feels very much like the men are in control um yeah. and i don't know it seems like maybe you're, yeah. you're not sure on that's that, that's, like, that's no that's what i picked up on well yeah that's not how i was reading it to be honest not not saying you're wrong but that, that's not what i was thinking what i what i think is interesting about the whole sun thing because i think it's very i agree that it's very interesting that um that the the ending is up to a certain point pretty much from his perspective i think that like what happens is that he is able to just tell a story that is viable enough and fits well enough with people's expectations that it pushes over the edge like there's a moment that i love when the boy the ultimately the reason that the boy decides that his mom did not kill his dad because to be clear like as a side point i don't think the the movie's not demonizing the boy like it's fair that the boy would be struggling with this it's fair that the boy might think this and might go along with this um but there's a moment where the boy recalls a conversation he had with his dad in the car and the dad is basically saying like you have to prepare yourself for when your dog is going to be dead because he's probably going to be dead soon and he's not going to be around and he's giving like he's just giving he's really insisting that like the dog is going to be dead soon and uh the boy essentially in court he says i now understand that he was actually talking about himself and to me that was just like I, I didn't see that as a moment of control and patriarchy. I just saw it as a moment as, like, he just told the right story. And it was a story that just had enough for people to p- grab onto that they believed the entire narrative. It was the right piece that locked into it. Um, yeah, it's, that's what I thought was really interesting about it. That it was, as much as we try and pretend, like, the way we in our personal lives come up with things based on fact, but also extending that to a court system that is supposedly built on objective fact. As much as we say that, like he, he understood people speak in idiom, people speak in metaphor. We don't necessarily explain, express or receive the world in objective terms. And so I think it's really interesting that the, I saw it as a point about being the final data point that pushes it over the edge is just this kind of idiomatic understanding of what the dad was saying there. Yeah, I think that scene is so good because, like you're saying, it's it's the final piece of this puzzle, this whole court thing, is like coming up with stories based on what we know. And I feel like even that is kind of like a story based upon stories that is mm. kind of like twice removed. And what, what occurred to me later is like the whole... like we don't know if that conversation really happened. And I would go as far to say as it probably didn't. There's a chance it did, yeah. Because the conversation with, uh, he has with the court lady 
um, is like you like you said you have to decide um, what you think is is true and and she almost like tells him to lie like kind of like in not so many words but um, and I love that when he's giving his um, his testimony uh, he he like basically quotes her he says kind of what she he repeats what she had said to him before mm-hmm. he recounts the story and the way that story is depicted is we see the dad talking in in like a sort of flashback um, it's filmed very close and so like kind of like not a it feels like like you don't really know where we right. are it's kind it feels of like, like a very uh, subjective yeah, experience of what's happening yeah. it's, it's not only subjective but just like like it's limited the world yeah. is not there it's more as if he doesn't have saying. the full memory he just has exactly this, yeah or as if it's a fabrication and it's like yeah. kind of like a vague like idea of like we're in a car and there's something passing behind yeah. us yeah and uh, the the key point of this is um this is delivered in his narration and the dad mouths the words in sync to what he's saying it's like the son is putting the words in his dad's mouth because the dad never said them this is all made up it's the boy's own words um and so i thought that was really smart kind of like again hinting at what that scene really is but without ex- ever having to explicitly say it yeah. i feel generally this movie uh, treats its audience very well it assumes they are smart and they're paying attention yeah. which are uh, the best kinds of movies yes and i do just one more thing about that little moment i think that just kind of to wrap up a lot of what i've been saying too i think that that scene is calling into question it is it is examining the fallible nature of memory and i think that considering the context of the rest of the movie it's also considering documentation to be a fallible source of information as well because it also well it seems to have this air of it's locked in time and it's untouched by subjectivity and whatever uh it's still there's still so much context and it's still just a snapshot and the way it's presented and the way it's wheeled and the way it's attached to authority uh it makes it not necessarily as objective as one might say i think a great example of that is when they bring in the dad's therapist and they treat that like that is some sort of concrete evidence yeah because he has some amount of authority male authority is a male therapist and it's it's all it is is how a guy was feeling and then even that is not fully true because any interaction you have you are only giving a small piece of the truth you're you're leaving information out so what he is saying to his therapist might not have even been objective truth there is already a filtering going on where he's saying how he's feeling and so if he's feeling emasculated which is kind of what the the film is implying um he might not say that instead he might say right. things that is is describing the feeling but without the knowledge of the the greater thing that is causing it he's mm. just seeing um kind of like the, the the end effects the results of of this greater feeling so you know he, he can't recognize that he's emasculated instead he'll say my wife's being a bitch i don't think that was something the therapist said but that is an example right. um so and then the therapist recounts in court yeah he said his wife was being a bitch i think she killed him like <laughs> that doesn't mean anything that's not yeah. evidence and then also i like that like how it's not only what the dad was saying to the therapist is filtered there's all another filtering going on in the therapist receiving that information and deciding what is 
important about what he's saying. He's adding meaning to it. He's trying to figure out how this guy was feeling based on what he thinks about what the guy chose to say. Yeah. So there's so much filtering going on, and yet the court is treating it like it is some objective truth when that yeah. is simply not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, to move on to something that is related, but is still... I can kind of uh, go into both my criticism and a strength of this movie that I really, really like. Uh, and so we've been talking a lot about a lot of heady sort of ideas about like truth and fact. One of my critiques of this movie, there are times where it's like, okay, I... I do understand the point you're making and we are just talking about this. I think that there's some amount of intentional intentionality to this. Like it's pointing to the fact that we have these very long discussions that it's so important to us to be able to explain things that it's emphasizing the discussion aspect and the negotiation of truth. However, I do think that there's a little bit, there's a little bit too much just talking about like, no, that's not true, but how could you do this? And there's a little bit, like, so for example, there's a language thing. One of the ways that the truth is filtered, that information is filtered, is that um, it she Sandra is not super fluent in French. She speaks it, but she's not great. And so she has to at first speak in French and deliver her story in French, which is immediately not fair because languages order reality in different ways and it's just a different understanding it's harder to present it if you're not language is a tool and it's 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 hard to wield that tool if you're not super well used with it um but my critique is just that i think sometimes it like points to the fact that that's what it's doing too much it's just like okay like like you've brought it up like three or four times i do get it and it's like Mm. there's sometimes where i think the point is not quite different it's like it is kind of the same point that was made earlier but on the positive side i don't think this is something that never brought down my experience of the movie it was just something that i think i think that it would just be stronger if it wasn't quite like that to talk about a strength one of the things i really like is that while being very kind of heady and intellectual it also manages to layer in ideas of innocence and love and like just the this is a vague term but like the human experience so i really really like certain moments where it points to the fact that we understand the world in a multitude of ways and it points that through like a very understated kind of thing one of the things that i really really like i think it's after like the first court day that we see um the boy and the mom are at home and they just play piano together and Mm -hmm. that just resolves some of the tension like in that they like this idea of communication does not necessarily exist in these very um very like objective sort of terms like communication doesn't have to be communication is something that is more implicit implicit it's connotative and it's something that we understand intuitively like and it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be overstated so it's more than words and what i like about that I like that there there are moments like that where they're playing piano together. Uh, there are other moments like that as well. Like when they're just like hugging and it's like that's clearly like everything that needs to be expressed is expressed here. Um, and then there are also really silent moments where the characters are just looking at each other and they understand each other. There's a moment like that between the lawyer and Sandra towards the end yeah. in the sushi restaurant. Um, and I, yeah, I so I, I do like that it layered that in as well. And I think that made that makes the movie quite strong. Yeah, um, 
Oh man, what was I gonna say? I liked yeah with the language thing, how that keeps like coming to like to bite her. So she's originally from Germany, and so the common language that they both know is English. So neither of them are speaking their native language, and the dad is like mad at her about that that she's forcing him to speak English, mm -hmm. and he says we're on your territory when in fact they are living in France in his own town and English is neither of their native languages yet he is he can't like accept that um so I, li I like that and then um kind of like how like you said the translating thing it, but it like it adds again that this this idea of like I guess it is like literally translation like yeah. this what I was calling filtering earlier is translation of of thoughts and feelings and, and receiving those and hearing them and choosing what you think is important and uh, your word choice when you're translating is important. And um, so I found that all very interesting um, as kind of like another like filtering device. Um, but I, I thought I was gonna say something else about the language, um, but I'll, I'll mention the, the thing with the lawyer. That was an interesting thing of like, clearly there is some like romantic tension between her mm. and her lawyer. They used to, there used to be something there and uh, uh, that's kind of brought up at the beginning. And I think what, I think ultimately maybe what the movie is trying to get at is like, they still have feelings for each other. And I almost feel like the reason why she pulls back is because like, again, this idea of what people will think about her. Mm. And I think, I think, I think that's another, we haven't even mentioned this, but like, I think that's another, like the, maybe the third biggest theme of this movie is it is not quite as important what actually happened than what people think of right. you and of and you know in associate in association with that what happened and that's mentioned quite explicitly early on by the lawyer he says it doesn't matter what actually happened it matters what people think happened you have to create a compelling story yeah. that they can believe that is different than you killed him uh it can't we can't just say we can't just bring up plausible doubt that um, you didn't do it. And it's very funny that this is uh, exactly what I just heard in an episode of American Vandal. They said the exact same. I'm watching that. And they said the exact same yeah. thing for, for the guy who's spray painted dicks, yeah, 27 yeah. dicks on teachers' cars. Yeah. They said, we can't just prove that you didn't do it. Or there's like plausibility that maybe you didn't. We have to yeah. find someone who's guilty, actually. Um, yeah. We have to provide a different answer. Yeah, that uh, awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but yeah, anyway, so so the point of what I was getting at is just that, um, again, with the, the idea, these ideas that like she's bisexual, she's had affairs, um, or all these things they're trying to use against her, we keep cutting to, and we haven't talked about this either, we keep cutting to other forms of media. Um, mm. A lot of them are like yeah. reporters talking about events, and there's a talk show talking about Sandra and so this idea of like what other people think about her is ever present in this film and I think that's hanging over her in this scene in that final scene in the restaurant with her lawyer um, she's kind of denying herself because what people will think and there's this amazing cut and shot choice where they're looking at each other she leans in and we cut to outside the window to a voyeuristic perspective mm -hmm. as if we are 
the public watching her, scrutinizing yeah. her, and trying to figure out, trying to make an opinion about her, and what what are the optics of her actions? And yeah. I think she's very aware of of what her actions could mean to people. And so, in order to protect herself, she she chooses not to kiss him. She just hugs him, which um, I think most people would be like, "That's fine." You know, we're not gonna, you know, start saying terrible things about you just for a hug. So, um, I found that scene quite interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, that's still within. Just to be clear, that's the scene where they're playing the audio recording in court, and we're seeing like the recording, right? Or am I thinking of a different? No, no, no you're no, oh, you're talking the... about the lawyer. Oh, you're talking about the lawyer what? at the restaurant, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, I I do understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, yeah, and also talking a little bit about, like, uh, like what we think about her. And just talking, again, just a little bit about, like, this the scene I was talking about where they're kind of testing the audience in the, in the fight thing. What, again, just to compare this to Fair Play, which is a movie that in some ways is tackling, is tackling some, some, uh, some similar ideas. Yeah. I think that, the, like, this is an example of a movie that is much stronger, again, because mm-hmm. it lets you if not outright portraying her as doing something wrong or having some wrongful, like some, some thoughts that we can kind of judge a little bit. It also, it at the very least, like lets that be a possibility. So it's like within that argument, like you're absolutely right that what he's saying about, uh, like you're imposing, you're, you've, you're imposing everything on me. That sounds generally like bullshit because of what's clearly going on. But there is also a point of like, she does seem to not be listening to him and also not having any real empathy for him. And like, and I think that that's a really interesting thing. Cause again, it's like when I talk about fair play is they clearly know each other very well. And so it feels like they can actually tear each other down. And like, they're saying the worst thing. Like, I think that like it does. And again, this is the testing the audience perception, but it does sound like she's not doing that much. Like, she is expecting him to do a lot of the kid raising. It does sound like he is caught up. And at the very least, like, she is so set in her definition of what things are that she can't even listen to that. And what I like about this movie is that it lets it lets her be a somewhat questionable character. And it lets her say and do things that are not very good. And, mm-hmm. like, and it's not, this is not a cowardly movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, very, very much avoiding that kind of black and white distinction, um, and yeah, I think I think that that scene in particular, the recording of their fight, does kind of like summarize the the whole thing. Is like, she does seem like she's not really putting in a lot. It seems yeah. like she is kind of like taking advantage of the fact that he has decided to be like the almost like homemaker yeah. person in the relationship she's taking advantage of that um she does point to evidence like that says like he kind of put himself in this mess but then it's like nothing is, she, is clear she has this very like, like, you know, like individualistic it seems yeah. like she has a very individual like but they're a, you're a couple like it's like well that's your fault like that's your fault. but you're supposed to this is supposed to be a partnership like and i think that exactly. tells you a lot yeah. about her character and i think that's a really mm-hmm. it's a really interesting character detail and it's consistent and think, that she's like that yeah yeah and more more on her character i think it's like another interesting thing is like she seems 
like she's kind of like a detached mother like yeah she's not been particularly close with her son um and she has reason for it you know he's been homeschooled by his father and so he's kind of been like like learning from his perspective it doesn't seem like he's ever brainwashed him into like hating his mother but like yeah. it does feel like he's been hearing from his perspective for so long and he's been so close with him that um you know compared to his mother who is quite focused on her career and her work mm. um they've never been as close and so it's it's so interesting that, like when they interact with each other when they're doing the piano thing there's that tension of like these are people who don't talk to each other that often yeah they're people who don't really know each other super well um and i think also what kind of like again this is it's it's fueling the idea of like the patriarchal um view of what women are supposed to be and do he is the homemaker in the relationship yeah. and she is taking the male they've they've switched it's a, their it's a reversal roles. of roles and it feels yeah. like a conversation we have seen in film and media but with mm the other way around like it feels like the the layabout dad who who never did do care about nothing and the the mom, the mom who stuck at home <laughs> um uh yeah but i i agree with you and i but what's great is like they use it yeah. against her right it seems yeah. that or at the very least i don't remember if it's said in court it's used for the audience it's fuel yeah. for us to to have against her that we say oh, well, she wasn't a good mother, therefore she's a bad person. This is, again, these ideas of, like, what women can and can't be, should, shouldn't be. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, like, reflecting her morality. Uh, meanwhile, the same standard would not be held against men because those yeah. are what's expected. Um, Even Yeah, because if the, if the dad was a similarly somewhat detached dad, that's... that's that's, that's accepted that's that's what you yeah. that's what you expect the thing to be that is the narrative that is always spun so it's it's a violation yeah. of it's a violation of what is natural or what is considered yeah. natural i think another good example of that is like when she wins the trial eventually um she actually i have two examples of things where she does something kind of like bad um <laughs> again things that like fair play would never allow for their character yeah um she wins the trial and she calls her son and she says i'm coming right home she doesn't she yeah. goes to a restaurant and parties with her lawyer who she's interested in instead of going to see her son who she wasn't able to see because yeah. of the court restrictions um and when she comes home eventually she's had a lot to drink she's a little drunk maybe and he's asleep because she's home, came yeah. home so late and that's another thing we're like subtly supposed to like judge her on we're kind of like yeah. the movie's asking us to judge her and hopefully then question why we're judging her or if we're being yeah. fair about that yeah uh yeah and i just think, think like what's interesting about it is that it's again this idea of like okay well just because just because she has a flaw just because she's doing something she seems a little maybe self-involved like that doesn't mean that doesn't mean she's a bad person you know what yeah. i mean and just because maybe she's not the greatest mother that doesn't mean she's a bad person it's like the idea that like again there's more nuance to the way we understand things and the way things are than how we always describe it and so like that can those can both be true as well that maybe like she could be a better mother she could she seems to kind of like close in on herself when she's afraid a little bit she even says to her son like 
I was afraid to come home. Like I was afraid to come home and see you. And it's like, well, that is completely fair and very human. But at the same time, like you are his mom and you should probably go to your son at this point. You know what I mean? And I, I, but I agree with you that his question, like, why, why are we judging her? Yeah. And I like that, like, generally the whole court case quickly becomes less about whether or not she killed him and more about like, is she a good person? At least subliminally, subtextually, it's more about, is that, is she a good person than did she do it? And I think that's kind of like this whole, well, why that whole like patriarchy and these other questions we're asking is like, because it's, it's not about the facts. It's become about what people think about you. The, yeah. the yeah. Um, I'll say, like, another interesting thing that Sandra does that's bad is she talks to her son when she's not supposed to without the court person yeah. there. I thought that was going to play more of a bigger... So I was a little surprised. I don't think it affects the film that it's not brought mm-hmm. up again because I think it's... Again, I think that's evidence for us mm-hmm. more so than it is for the court case itself but yeah. um that's another interesting thing is she does she does break the rules and she talks to him and they and i think that seeds doubt in our minds as well as his i think it's quite clear that it affects him and he starts being more um unsure of his, what, what his mom is saying yeah i am um, i also have a i have a different direction that i think we can take this in for a second as well in that i don't mm-hmm. have this isn't a very long point but i do like something i was thinking about is how like there's a very brutal there's a brutalness to what's happening and that these characters are being asked to trudge up hard like hard memories and really and be so analytical and be so distanced from them as if that's even possible and there's a good title card and i think this is actually really important that this trial's been going on for like a year or something or it's it's like many months like this has been happening for a long time and so like and i think to me that manifests itself in and i like this hyper hyper mechanistic view of humans and human beings and what we do um and this to me like this is one of the big reasons why the son tries to poison the dog is because he needs to conduct an experiment to understand what's happening Mm -hmm. his memories and these things that should be very emotionally resonant resonant for him and should um should be sacred have been drudged up and analyzed and dissected and put up, p- picked apart and put back together again so many times that I think that the way I read that is as a kid, as a as a malleable kid, he is understood, he has started to shift like that's the only way he can understand reality. And so he almost kills his dog. And yeah. I, like, t- I think that that's very intentional. I think that, and also just side note, I was like, that's a, this is, that was a stressful scene. I didn't want Snoop to die. Right? Yeah. I think I looked at you and I was like, yeah. what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 That freaked me out. I was so sad. Um, yeah. Again, another, like, just praise to the, the director. The child actor is phenomenal. The oh, dog he's very acting good. is phenomenal. Dog just like, good. I was just so in the yeah. moment when that happened. And I was like, please don't, don't kill that dog. Oh, but, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was, I was just like I wasn't thinking about it what you said but that I completely agree that idea that like as as a younger person he's kind of like reacting against what what we have come across like what we've realized is like um that this trial is not about objective truths it's about stories and translation translated 
um, truths, I guess. And he's reacting against that by doing something that is horrible, but at the very least objective. And mm. actually also kind of like, I didn't even think about this, but like reflects what he's been see, um, seeing and, and hearing happening yeah. uh, around him because other people have been conducting these experiments, um, dropping yeah. bot, like fake corpses. Like the ca- the callous the nature of seeing a doll that it represents your dad being thrown out of a window. Recreating yeah. the um the the argument and trying to hear when it happens so he's just he's yeah. doing what everybody else is doing and, and it seems normal um yeah you, uh, you were gonna say something though i was just gonna say i can i think i can move away from more thematic uh elements in the movie maybe not entirely sure. but just talk about some more film things and that like mm-hmm. uh yeah performances are great and so like we're talking oh, yes. about the kid like yes. i really love also like he seems like a very he's a very quiet kid with like a lot kind of going on beneath the surface that doesn't come out too much and then towards the end like when when Snoop is die dying and he's really like like he's sobbing and he's trying to explain yeah. his feelings and it's all coming out I was like oh my god and it's that that idea of uh being clear and concise about when characters act to things and why they act to th- why they react to things in certain ways at certain times and i think that that is that comes down to really good performances that comes down to good writing and it comes down to really good directing too um but across the board great performances like the sandra actress is incredible and i think also it's interesting just (laughs) thinking about the the kid um the snoop scene is so much more heartbreaking than when he finds his dad and i feel like that's so clever like trying to do that big release of emotion for a character we did not spend a lot of time with neither of them. We don't know the yeah. dad at all. Actually, that's the first time we see yeah. the dad is when he's yeah. dead. And the son we've seen very, very little of. Uh, I think he just went for a walk. Like, I think it's smart to have that kind of be subdued. And that release of emotion, like, over Snoop, I think is also related to, like, like the grief of his dad. I don't think he mm-hmm. properly, or at least for us, it, like, we don't get to see the proper grief for his dad. And I feel like that's kind of, like, all combined uh the guilt of all that maybe um and uh i'll i'll leave that somewhere else but first i'll just say also sandra huler like you said yeah so 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 good uh she's not even been acting for that long i thought i knew her from something and i looked her up Mm -hmm. and i I was surprised like oh i don't know any of this um and one thing that I, i was gonna mention is like there's a scene where she's on on trial and her like she starts twitching mm-hmm. and i noticed that and i mean that's a that's yeah. a thing you can't control but I, yeah. I also think that just like i think that's that's acting you know like yeah. I, I think i think even though it's not like something you can control there are it's 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 getting to a place where you're feeling an emotion genuinely and that yeah. genuine feeling of emotion brings on something like twitching and mm-hmm. uh I, like I don't think it's an accident. I think yeah. she intentionally did something that got her there. She's embodied the character so much exactly. that yeah, that's great. So, another thing I really love about her performances is uh, her little glances. She's always like looking over and like really furtively, just kind of like at certain points, like looking at certain people. Because she's somewhat of a subdued character too. We don't. She's not. She's not super flagrant. She doesn't express everything super in a very explicit way necessarily um but i really like like the little moments that indicate what she's thinking where like 
I, I can't really think of a specific example, but it happens all the time in court where she'll maybe look towards her son very briefly. She'll look mm-hmm. towards her whatever, she'll look to the prosecutor, to the judge. Uh, and just like the, the little looks, I think, are it's just details like that that make performance so good as well. Yeah. Um, what, what I was going to say, um, kind, of, kind of in a different direction, but um, what, like Snoop, the dog, this has mm. nothing to do with performances. Um, I think I think what the movie is trying to present, especially in that kind of like back half, is that Snoop is kind of like the representation of the dad, um, especially with that scene where the like the kid says, essentially that the dad is the dog and like this mm-hmm. like it's a metaphor, and so I and there's the grief thing, uh, but the final piece of that so that's um, the first instance the kind of like repetition of it and the final version of that is the very final shot of the movie that is used for the credits is after the trial after she's you know her son has forgiven her or whatever you know um she's in bed and who comes to join her but snoop uh and they share their bed and she's like petting him and kissing him or whatever and i i found that just so interesting like like knowing that like the, the dog is basically like like represented the dad at this point and i almost think it's like like reconciliation or like like showing like she actually did love him maybe like i think mm. that's what it, maybe it's trying to say mm. i think i think it's a positive thing sure generally hmm. yeah did you have any thoughts about that ending uh i at that point well okay i mean i can i can talk about another critique i have actually if while well, we're sure. just on the ending uh but i do like that as well i like that final shot i think that sometimes this movie like i said is a little precious and i think that that is on display at the ending i think this ending is too long like once the court once the court uh once the trial is is ended and we're just like she's gone home like she goes to the restaurant and then she goes home and then there's one scene in the living room and then there's another scene with the son and then like she it's about to stop but then she comes back and the scene keeps going and there's a lot of like empty space in this scene um, and then she goes to the bed and then there's like, there's just a little bit too much. Like, I just felt like there were multiple points where it seemed stronger to me to just end or at least like shore it up a little bit, like just tighten it. Um, and there are a few, there are a few <laughs> moments like that throughout the movie where I'm like, okay, I don't know that we needed to hang on this shot a little too. I don't know if we needed to hang on this shot this long. I don't know if we needed to have all this explained like it kind of ties into my other criticism um yeah and i just think particularly towards the end there are a lot of single shots that are held on it's also a lot of like she is a most she it's the thing that one of our film profs often criticizes a lot in films where it's like character goes one place cries goes to another place and then cries and then goes to another place and then cries like there's a lot of her just being like i understand it's a very emotional time but I just think, like, from our script writing perspective, it does feel like all of the individual moments are played as if they have the same importance and as if, like, they're the same level of emotional to her. And I that doesn't quite work for me. Like, I just wish that these last final scenes were treated with some elevated above others, some just... I, I feel like there's just a little too much sameness and preciousness at the end. Okay, I, I definitely felt while watching it that I thought I definitely thought it was going to end at a certain point, like quite closer to the end of the trial, 
and then I was like, oh, it's it's still going, and I wasn't sure how long it was going to continue. But I actually feel that I think all those scenes are completely justified. I like that the restaurant scene wraps up the um, the story with with the lawyer, and that it allows for that scene. Um, I think I think what's important to me is that life goes on after the trial. It's more than just the trial. the The things, the issues brought up in the trial persist, and I don't even think. I can't remember it actually lasting that much longer after the trial ends. I think it does wrap out kind of quickly. I think it is just those three. All, all I can think of are, are those three kind of moments or that th those three locations, right? So she's in the she's in the car and then is at the restaurant, and then she eventually arrives home, and as the scene with the son wraps up, the the story with the son and the well, there's another the, scene before uh, that. Just the, the there's a scene in the living room, and then there's a scene in the bedroom. And then the scene in the bedroom is about to end, and then it doesn't. It's with the le the late the court yeah. lady. Okay, so yeah. so so she's to wrap up with the court lady, and then the son, and then finally all by herself, and yeah. So so I didn't have, I didn't have a problem with that. Um, and yeah, well, the, the idea that like one second um, after the trial ends, the the problems haven't stopped. So she still has to be worried about perception, how the people how people think about her. She still has this kind of weird disconnect with her son. Um, and that's not going to be done. He's he's forgiven her, but there's kind of like this, like cold like. It's reminding me a little bit of like, like a little movie called Sledgehammer Man, where mm. like it's this mother son relationship where they don't really know how to like interact with each other. Sure. It's kind of like like put on. It feels yeah. forced almost. Um, and so yeah, so I I I think all those scenes are justified personally. I th I'm not saying they're not justified. I'm not saying that they don't serve a function. My critique is more of one of just editing and execution of them. I just think they're played as if they're all equally important, and I don't think that's true. Like, I think that... And I think that most individual moments are played as if they're equally important, and I don't think that's true either. Um, like, I, ag I agree that all of those ideas are important. I just think that the movie would have to me it's a, just a stronger ending if they're a little more succinct about it just some they're more succinct for some they drag out more instead of it just being like it just kind of like moves it's just a car that's slowly rolling at the end it's not the end of the world didn't yeah. ruin the movie for me by any chance but i just think that it could have been executed a bit better i i will say like i agree with you i do think pacing wise it what you just said about a car slowly rolling to a stop I did feel that way. I felt that that is kind of how, how it felt to me. Um, uh, just to kind of like bring us towards wrapping up, uh, mm -hmm. one thing we haven't talked about too much at all is this idea of like the mediums and how yeah. we see information presented in different ways. Quite early on, I think it's a title sequence. Um, we It's like a series of photographs and that comes up again yeah. later. Um, and I think that's the, the clearest... Um, Sim like symbolism of, of the point is trying to get at but there's also you know videos audio recording um different types of cameras so there's like the court mm. cameras there's i think body cams from police officers um lots of different ways of like showing these kind of objective truths but i like that the, the photograph is so simple in that like it's a snapshot it's literally a snapshot in time yeah. and it does not paint a whole picture it is you can only get so much information from a photograph yeah. and it is, it, it, it's, it may be emblematic of a larger idea, but it, it's not everything. And that's, that's kind of what this court case is investigating is, is these bits of evidence that point towards larger things, but you can't really tell in the photographs. Yeah. 
for example, they look quite happy. It's yeah. photographs of a happy couple, and I, and um, there's that may not always be the case, but it's it's only a snapshot. It can only do so much. Yeah, I really like. I agree, and I like that it's it's showing again. Like we have this need to explain and understand, and this these are just types of information. I want to, if we're wrapping up, I want to really quickly touch upon visual direction again. Uh, just because I think it's very superb. I love the shot choice in this movie. I love that the courtroom uh, never feels the same. I love that yeah. there's a re- there's a real attention to levels, particularly like vertical levels. There are a lot of shots that are particularly we're looking up into the attic in the home uh, and we're looking. Mm-hmm. It's emphasizing the fact that it's an attic. It's emphasizing that there's verticality to the shot. It does that in the courtroom too, where it does a, it emphasizes that the judge is above them and that this whole thing is above them. And there's like, we're usually looking up at them or we're from their perspective looking down. And you might say like, Oh, well that's inherent to the geography, but it's also shot choice. And it's also, it's portraying that in a specific way. I love how the courtroom itself is dissected through shots. There's a great, when the sun comes back in towards the end to give kind of his final thing in the court, we don't know if the mom is there. Like the, it does not show that the mom is there until a very particular mm, moment, yeah. which we haven't seen that part of the room because the room is different. We don't have the audience that we typically have. And like, there are clear differences. So it's like, is she here? Is she even hearing this? And I think that that's really interesting. Um, there's another great moment when the son is talking earlier and the camera does this really brilliant thing where I think it's, it's locked on him and it's kind of arcing around him depending on who is talking to him. Yeah. And not only does that show, not only again, is it just like, it's just very precise. Like it doesn't, it realizes I don't need a cut here in one shot. I can just show what is happening. I can say it. It also puts us in his perspective while also seeing his reaction. So we get to see how he's reacting facially to what is happening. And also because he is blind, we are put in his seat because he literally cannot see the people who are talking to him. Right. And so all yeah. we get is the direction and all we get is the sound. And so I think like that's a, like a really brilliant camera move. Yeah, no, I, I definitely noticed that one. That was really cool. I was just going to say like this idea of, of kind of, it's sort of like spatial context and, and where people are. You mentioned like when he's giving his testimony, the kid, um, we don't know that she's there. And I think, again that's kind of like tying back to those ideas like it doesn't matter if she's there it's yeah. uh, these people are deciding her fate whether or not it doesn't matter what she thinks about that so i think that was clever editing specifically um choosing to like keep her uh hidden until that point yeah. um that happens also with another character that i i like that i said that too like i laughed in the theater when they're it starts off with this i think this is a police officer and he has some evidence to sh- tell and then there's like an, a five minute argument and it cuts back to him and he's still on the witness stand. I was like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that was so funny. Yeah. Um, and the way, the way it isolates various characters and conversation, I think is great. There's another great moment I really like when, uh, I think it's also when the son is on trial. They were just, I guess that's either when I was really noticing it or when they were just popping mm-hmm. off when the prosecutor is asking him questions Oh, no, it might not be the Senate. I forget who's talking. Someone's at the stand. They're talking. And the prosecutor is asking them questions, and he's behind them, like, where the audience is. And he's, 
doing this in such a way that the person turns around to address him, but then the judge reminds them, no, you don't address it to the audience, you address it to me. And then you realize, oh, that's what the prosecutor's doing. Like, he's making yeah. it so that he has to talk to the audience. And I mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's a lot of like, just uh, blocking and staging that emphasize the strategies that the prosecutor and the, the defender lawyer are both are employing i it's, it's very very well done the strategies and again ties into the themes of like they're trying to like again use that idea of like public ideas like what the public thinks of, of yeah. this character and so using the audience against her um i'll say like cinematography i agree with all those things you said lots of like like zooms which is fun um love zooms. motivated camera movements i love and and uh, with actor blocking which you don't see too often these days um, lots of like, like those like very very dirty OTS. I sh we should explain what dirty means. Dirty yeah. is not like, like grimy there's, or there's dust on the frame. Yeah. Sexually, yeah. You know, like it. It just means um, if you've got a uh, the classic is the over the shoulder shot, which I think is pretty self explanatory. But uh, dirtying the frame is when you are looking at one character and you see part of the other character's body in the frame so yeah. you're dirtying the frame in an over the shoulder shot with the shoulder right yeah. but in this movie they like there's like the shot they cut back to a couple times is behind the judge's head and the judge yeah. is like pushing sandra like totally into one corner yeah. of the screen totally restricting her and another one they use is cutting to uh an over the shoulder of dan i think it's daniel um the son and it's kind of like 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 at, at moments where you're wondering what he thinks of her and mm -hmm. the information she's saying like how does he feel about that and so we cut to uh a shot of her but it's it's with we're with him and we're thinking yeah. about what he's thinking about it um uh yeah. oh one other thing i'll just say quickly there's a shot of like when they're driving down a winding road and it's night oh and yeah headlights scared the shit out of me yeah <laughs> i was I, like, I, I was like ah! That I wrote in my I wrote in my notes uh, hardest shot that any movie can include, and that's just like I mean like that's a yeah. shot you see all the time where it's like mm -hmm. it's just the headlights illuminating the highway as you drive, and I think I've never seen that in a movie and not gone hell yeah, that's all that's it's, a great well, shot. It's, it's a cool <laughs> it's a great shot, shot, but also also like the fact that it made like got like a reaction out of me is so cool, yeah. and again I think it's like I think what it's saying is kind of like again that like small snapshot of a wider picture that you can only mm. see what the headlights are showing you you, mm. you and then there's a turn suddenly and you can't you can't see what's ahead of you uh more I, than 20 feet or whatever i also just felt like that was a moment of like putting us kind of in sandra's perspective and how she's feeling mm -hmm. there like like this is it is just a normal thing that's being like you're driving home but because yeah. the stakes are so high to what's happening around her like it feel it's scary like it feels like anything anything could get her at any point like anything could go wrong and so yeah, i really like that yeah uh i think i'm close to them one of the last things i just want to say i think this movie another thing it does well is kind of bring doubt into the audience's mind mm -hmm. we never get to see the events as they actually occur i think that is a very strong choice i think a weaker mm -hmm. movie would either at the beginning or at the end show us what really happened and I just love that it's left up to audience 
interpretation the entire time. And I think, I think there's moments where it's actively trying to make you think maybe she did do it. Like, I think at the beginning, I even thought, like, oh, she probably did do it. Like, it really does seem like it. Yeah. And then there's it try to brings you on her side, and then it tries to take you away from her side. Yeah. And at the end, I even feel like, like I spoke to someone else about this movie, and they said um, that even at the end, they were waiting for like the rug to be pulled out from under them. And I, I thought that was, um, I think I think this movie is reacting against tropes of yeah. like of like a, a last minute reveal or perhaps like. Um, I don't know if the, the, this is the right word for this genre, but like the femme fatale character, like mm. it's the woman. Of course sure. they did it, right? It's kind of this idea we have associated with film. And I think it's so smart that this movie's reacting against that. Um, and yeah, I think that's I think that's mostly what I was going to say about that. I have one final thing. Another thing I forgot about visual direction. This is something the movie does sure. multiple times that I really like. So there's, again, like we've been talking about, there's this idea that... Uh, we understand the world through storytelling, through a tradition of storytelling, and this is not necessarily an objective process. It involves a lot of projection or involves a lot of uh, uh, perpetuating of certain narratives and recontextualizing others and assembling threads. And the fact that there is a level of construction to our reality, like both of the realities that the um that both the prosecutor and the defendant are offering are curated realities we know this like you said in the scene when the defender is the lawyer is saying well i don't believe that story like i don't even believe what you're saying so they have to come up with a specific thing and i think that the movie is very aware that it is engaging in the same thing as well and it draws attention to the fact that it is a movie uh and it is also something that is being constructed. And so there's a common visual thing where the camera is like either picked up or like it's suddenly (laughs) breaking or like it's like, or it doesn't know where it's going. Like it's, it doesn't Mm -hmm. realize what's happening. And so I think that thematically ties in the way I described. And it also just really punctuates certain moments. Well, where it's like, Oh, what is happening? Where it's like, not even, not even the camera knows what's happening at this point. Like this shouldn't be happening. I forget. I had written down specific, uh, a couple specific remember, moments where I did it, but yeah. I cannot read my chicken scratches right at this moment. The first time we saw it was when we see the dad's body. I think. Yeah. There's a weird kind of like it starts like, like it does oh like yeah, a little, there's like, like a there's like, like a, a digital zoom almost in it too. It's really yeah, it, weird. Yeah. It feels like a digital zoom and pan and sort of thing. Yeah. Like they're readjusting and yeah, I, I think that was kind of pointing at that. And there's another moment where i think what we noticed was a jump cut like i think it yeah. took something yeah. out like a, fr- a f- maybe even a few frames and yeah. i think i think what you're saying is true i think it's pointing at your favorite word artifice uh, yeah. <laughs> see that what we were watching is a movie i i had that in my notes and i think i accidentally deleted it um it occurred to me also like this movie is very similar to a movie i saw oh is that that might have been the beginning of this year. I can't remember, but a movie called Saint Omer. It's another French okay. courtroom yeah. movie, so the comparison is very, very easy. But yeah. uh, I think it also calls into questions, uh, like ab- about the system at large. So sure. in that one, I think it's as much about uh, women and the role they are supposed to play. Um, specifically in that film, it's the co- the trial is about uh, a woman who killed her baby, and so like mm. that's quite clearly like about about that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. as well as racism uh, and those characters are are black and they're from 
I think they're they're from Africa originally. I can't really remember, um, and so there's a, a bit of xenophobia as well, which is uh, yeah. quite a big problem right here in Europe. Uh, but another movie this made me think of is Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, while we were talking about it, I was like, oh, this that's the same. That's what we were talking about last week too. Um, yeah. This idea of like, I think it was something you had said like love and like is that possible while also having like these feelings of like hate against another and and so i think the relationship between those two the two kids the two lead uh sorry the mother and the husband um in this movie sandra and her husband are yeah it's similar at the very least i also thought this movie this movie also reminded me of oppenheimer <laughs> in uh, the discussion mm. of like subjectivity um but yeah, yeah. But, so I, there are a lot of movies i think that's that's a mark of a good movie though generally when I feel like it, when it reminds me of other things and it's a variety of things that it reminds me of, it feels like you're drawing from a large palette. Yeah, but this movie's worse than Oppenheimer because when it was subjective and not subjective, it didn't change colors. It didn't change colors. It wasn't black and white and they didn't name drop President Macron or whatever. That's true. Uh, I think I'm done. You're done? I'm done too. Okay. move on. Uh, We have a segment, Aiden. We sure do. So we have a segment called, in case you haven't noticed, the podcast is called Predator vs. Movies. We've done the movie part, now it's time to get into the Predator. We asked the question, would this movie be better if the Predator from a movie Predator was in it? It's, no. It's funny how you, well, it's funny how you present that the, the prospect. So you, you always say, so yeah, we have a segment called... And then you go backwards and you start over again. <laughs> that's because I always like, realize that it's wrong. I always realize I, know, I started the segment. But it sounds like that's the full title. It sounds <laughs> yeah. like the segment is called, so you may have noticed this is a podcast where you call it. Da, 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 da. So like, I think we should just change it. I think the name of the segment is, so you may have realized this is a podcast and da, 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 and yeah. yeah. So uh, no, this of course would be significantly worse if Predator yeah. showed up. And I don't know. Don't even have an idea of where Predator could be. Not a clue. I don't know. Predator is President Does he have Macron. a theme song? Theme song. <laughs> Play yeah. it on the piano. Yeah. That's another thing. There's no They're score watching in this Predator. movie. Yeah. There's no score in and this I movie. And I love that. I, I like that a lot. And then it plays score of when the credits roll, and I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, and also, as a quick side note, there was a movie that had a very bassy score happening beside us, particularly towards the end. And the first time it came in, I was like, I was like, there's no way that's part of this movie. Because <laughs> like, it was kind of a moment that felt appropriate for it. But then I was like, oh, mm. no, never mind. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if it's all theaters, but I feel like that theater that we went yes. to in particular, not the best. No. It's so close that I don't want to, like, go anywhere else. But yeah. always problems with, like, my theater is too quiet and I can hear yes. the theater next to me. Yeah. And sometimes it's too dim i think i don't know yeah. lots of issues anyways we have another segment called predators picks sure do. um what have we watched listened to read etc uh aiden what are your predators picks for us this week uh so i watched two movies actually both of these were last night i realized that i've watched very few <laughs> movies this week uh but Same. one of these one of them i read watched finally was friday the 13th uh How i watched that? that that was the first one i watched that movie sucks that is a terrible Aww. movie. It's really bad. It's really bad, and it's also clearly a ripoff of Psycho and Halloween. Like, very obviously. Like, it's 
like the yeah. psycho i didn't realize it was so psycho it does like the false first act thing where it kills off who you think the main character is gonna oh, be really? and then the well which isn't like psycho didn't invent that and you can do it but then at the end the the reveal with the killer and the way the killer is talking it's like okay like i, just, like I don't know i don't know yes yes there's a shower stuff. really yes there is a it's oh, not quite I was joking i haven't seen it it's yeah I forget if they're killed in the shower or if they're right near it, but there is a shower scene. Um, but I don't Any know. Birds? Do, do you know what the? Do you know who the killer is in the first one? Spoiler for Friday the Thirteenth. Jason starts with a V. No. Or maybe it's not. So, oh, that's yeah. Interesting. So that's so that, that's why I was. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um, which is but what about I mean, Freddy versus I, Jason. That's versus that comes Jason? later. How we verse him if say. Jason not but there? It's funny, funny you bring up Freddy because the other movie I watched was uh, I uh, I've been uh, I've been continuing my watch through of a Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I watched a Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors. This movie's really awesome, like shockingly Yay! good. It's like, and I don't know. To be fair, it could just be that I watched a movie that was slop beforehand. Right. Uh, and so I, I watched a comparatively good movie. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah. But it's like immediately I was like, oh, a well-directed. It's no, this movie's really, really good. It's I like it way better than the first one, honestly. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. The second one is not as good. Uh, so my ranking so far is 3-1-2 of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies. Um, I think that I nearly gave this movie four and a half stars. Uh, but it just <laughs> like I gave, I brought it down to four because the the third act is not as strong, but like it's this movie's awesome for like a for a good chunk of it. There, it's not without its flaws, but it's this movie's really cool. So I do recommend that's this. That's funny. I'm just looking on Letterbox what, um, like the general consensus is. So okay, there's the second one. I didn't know what the second one was. So people do agree that the third one is. Uh, how much do they think the first one is? No, people people like them pretty similar, but they, they mm. do generally lean to the first one. Mm. Uh, but third is the next best one, according to Letterboxd. And they're like it's 3.7 and then 3.5, so oh, like, yeah. not too different. Um, yeah. But I did also check, uh, at some point you were going to have to watch Freddy vs. Jason. Funny enough that I did mention that. Yeah. That is part of the... Uh, the universe that's part, that's part of the universe uh, yeah i don't think is... i will watch the other half of that which is all the friday the 13th that i need i will not yeah. do that i will just watch the nightmare on Elm street ones so it, it does go three four the dream child yeah the it's final four. nightmare oh yeah fine new yeah. nightmare which yeah. is i think the next best i'm excited i'm excited and for Freddy new nightmare that, new nightmare sounds good I will not watch the reboot though. The reboot okay. looks dumb. The 2010 one. I think that's I the last, watch, so. the most recent one. Yeah. Um, well, I have seen one movie, and I watched the Eras Tour. <laughs> Is it a movie? Not really. It's like it's. I mean, hey, they capture the experience of being at the concert. Uh, I've heard some people say it's not doesn't even do that well, but um, I. I don't think I was really like. It was like, noticing. <laughs> yeah. That's not why I was there. I was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I think I think it's fine. It's like if you like Taylor Swift, it's like being at the Taylor Swift concert, but for less money. More money though than a regular movie ticket. Really? Each ticket. Why? It cost twenty dollars. What the it's, fuck? It's ridiculous. And I think why? It's because I think it's because she had she did not go to the studios. 
to release the movie. She released oh, it independently okay. and had a, a different contract with the theaters. And so sure. I think she negotiated a higher price per ticket. And I was just like, guess I'm spending $20 <laughs> per ticket on this. Fuck, fine. Um, I did not buy the Eras popcorn bucket and drink. The collectibles? It came... It, maybe. I, it, I considered it. I considered mm. buying them for Anatomy of a Fall, but I thought that would be <laughs> poor taste. Yeah. Um, anyways, next week... Oh, we got to do the one that came out this week, sort of. Yeah. The Killer. We should watch yeah. that. I should also go watch that today. Uh, but yeah, so David Fincher's The Killer will actually be out. It was it was out this week, but it was kind of like a weird situation. It comes out on Netflix on November 10th, uh, but there is a short theatrical release uh, so that it can qualify for awards, but not um, make you think that uh, theaters are still viable so that streaming can still yeah. conquer the world. Uh but yeah, we'll do that anyways, probably. Um, if you like us, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Predator V Movies. Uh, on our YouTube, we've also started doing shorts, short yep. shorts. We like short shorts. Um, that's the YouTube uh, slogan for that yep. program. Not our own thoughts on right. that or uh, jeans. <laughs> you know, like Hell, short, short jeans. Good not, job. Not really. I, mean, I, like, I like short shorts. Yeah, sure. Jeans as well. Anyways, um, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I'm just rambling. This brain point. melting, if, yeah. If you like, this is what happens when I pod. Uh, if you like my thoughts on movies, check me out on Letterboxd at underscore Alex Gordon underscore. I leave reviews sometimes. And I also, uh, if you like Martin Scorsese's thoughts on movies, check it out yes. on Letterboxd. As Letterboxd is name. very keen to advertise because I literally yes. got a notification from the app telling me that this was happening. Uh, but yeah. you can also check me out on Letterboxd. I'm 810Sunny. It's 810-S-O-N-N-Y. My name is Wombo. I also leave reviews sometimes. Does Peter have anything? No, he doesn't. He's not here. No, he doesn't. He's not so here. That means you have to leave a review. Do it. Five stars, YouTube, podcasts, podcast zone, Spotify, the podcast world, wherever you listen to podcasts. Juice world. Juice Uh, world. So I just looked up Scorsese's letterboxed. He has 257,000. That's a lot. That's that's a little bit over a quarter of a million. Yeah. Uh, So that's pretty impressive. His username... How do I know? It's what is your Marty underscore scores. Oh, here we go. I, I got it. It's M Scorsese. Because there's okay. a lot of people who claim they're yes. Scorsese, but it's the one that has patron. He was a patron of the podcast. Or of the podcast. Of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's our first patron. <laughs> uh, follow us on Patreon, which we yeah. don't have. Just for yeah. It's just Martin Scorsese who is just yeah. paying us. He's yeah. just paying us. Just loves we, what we got to say. We just send him um, little messages. Yeah. Yeah, so if you like us we also... say thanks, Marty. Yeah. yeah, thanks for saving cinema, Marty. Um, yeah. He just wants that at the end of the day. You know, it's better than a, a cold beer. Uh, yeah. Which anyways, is why starting so... now, every episode will end with us saying in unison, thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Except that's only a tease because that is only for the Patreon that he is paying for. <laughs> exactly. So you won't get to hear it. Yeah, but and if you Marty want to hear will. that, then you can sign up for our Patreon now. Patreon, <laughs> but you have to be Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. uh, uh, bye. Bye.